Yeah, you're no longer welcome at this podcast. Uh, this will be the last episode okay. for Tyson Mendias. Um, guys, welcome to the Men's Journal uh, Everyday Warrior Live Power Hour. I'm joined with Sean Tyson, Doc Parsley, who's the man of the hour. We're going to talk about sleep. And then we've got uh, Judd joining in from my office. Uh, of course. Wait, wait, Depends on how, how much, much you get paid, I think. Okay. Well, if they're, I, if they're mad at the coach, I'll get my shots in uh, on John now, not over text. I think he's going to rip my arms off, given uh, our little text. <laughs> we'll ring, them but, dog. Yeah, <laughs> guys, what's new? It's been a, uh, it's been a little bit. Yeah, it has been a little bit. No, not too much going on. Just uh, dealing with uh, a little flood at the house. So, um, <laughs> was that uh, flood rain from, or from the weather or from? No, that's from uh, like a slow, a slow leak in a pipe that was in the wall that went undiscovered so all the floors are getting ripped up oh man we got dehumidifiers everywhere tripping the power can't make my coffee in the morning like show, old, show up to work grumpy as hell it's yeah. like an older house yeah it's or, an older house that was remodeled yeah and then of course you're like oh everything's gonna be good and then no wrong. yeah so we had that happen to us uh october of oh, last really? year do you think our, our master bathroom's done uh, great dude yeah. what is it with contractors it's like the, it, it's the one industry where they can get away with like yeah they we got five ten projects going on at the same time. I know. Like, well, yeah. it's a, it's a kind of job too that like you can like things can not go right and you can end up falling back into it as long as you have a truck and like some tools. I mean, you can be a you know you can be a contractor and you can you can get involved and you can be you know not managed well and then all of a sudden everyone's waiting on you and then you know you get a big job or two and all of a sudden things are going wrong and there's a lot to keep track of so. And, but add on about like they are now eight months past when they said it was going to be due it's or done. Still not done. They're still That's not done. Crazy. What, do they, what do they have to do to finish it? Um, basically, probably about half the job still. I, in, in, and I yelled at this guy. He's like, yeah, oh, thanks for the That's feedback. the real question. How do you find a how do you find a good tradesman in any in anything now? It's like you're going to go off of internet ratings. Who knows if they paid some company to have 500 people give them good ratings or something like. You, yep. It's it's hard to know unless you have like a you know, first order relationship with a friend or somebody who who knows that can vouch for him or something like that. We lucked out for Jeff at the gym. He was good. Yeah, yeah. Good I mean, sometimes it's just luck, you know. So, yeah. Or you end up eight months. To <laughs> <laughs> so I just had Renee Marbon on, who wrote the book uh, "Blue Ocean Strategy," Blue Ocean Shift, and she's got a new one coming out, "Beyond Disruption." She's actually the first woman, sort of, to to claim the title in the world of uh, one of the top business strategy minds. Uh, ever and we were talking about service and she you know she responded very politically i'm like what's up with the airlines now mm. like it's it's they, they treat you as if <sighs> I rem- you're I remember, lucky to even be on the plane like here's your soda like anything I, beyond that is like we're just i remember not being play. a kid and uh you know, you know like a grade school kid maybe early adult and like flying was somewhat somewhat of like a reverent occasion you know i mean there was like yeah. people dressed up wore suits and you know like they served you meals and they were polite and then they went to just sort of this coolly polite now they're just like, like surly ago. you know it's like yeah. like you are inconveniencing them by making them do their job you know or being there 
uh, I, so I hardly fly. I have like almost 90,000 miles on a two-year-old truck because I drive everywhere. I hate, I, hate I think COVID was the beginning of the end of service. So everyone got to cut back service and well, I, I think the beginning of the end was, had already started before yeah. COVID, but it got greatly accelerated yeah. during that phase. Yeah. yeah. We can't touch you. We can't serve you. Can't do anything. So yeah. you're on your own full price. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And nobody holds to their word anymore. I don't want to name the company because everyone will just sue each other now. But yeah, uh, let's just say it's a road service company that sends somebody out to one of their subcontractors to change our tire. It was my, it was Jordan, uh, who you all know, and they strip the lugs. Oh. And mm. so I had to, well, changing a tire is a highly technical skill. I mean, well, you've seen Jordan, <laughs> Jordan's not going to do that. Um, no, she's capable of certain I'm, things. That's not what I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. It's not like not like you're, you're not like it's not like you're saying your neurosurgeon you know nicked a nicked a nerve or an artery or something you're talking about something any lug wrench can do like a room temperature iq you can change a car tire like six years old so they they, <clears throat> they put the lugs on they they strip the actual lug um not the lug nuts but the the things the lugs go on and so they had to they oh. take it to another place cut the lugs remove them take the tire off and then you know, replace the actual, uh, the, the, the screws. And we went back to that company and they're like, you know what, well, you've got to con contact the uh, subcontractor and get the money from them. And I'm like, <laughs> this, they're your subcontractor. Right. Right. Like, I'm, I, I don't work with them. I work with you. Yes, I paid you for over 41 <laughs> years. We've been a member and yeah. uh, thank God my father-in-law is a lawyer just stepped in and said, you have until the end of the month, which is basically what a few days to, to just pay the $600 because you selected the con the subcontractor, not us. And she's like, well, I can connect you with the legal department. It's just like, oh, so you need me to do another five hours mm -hmm. to honor your agreement that, you know, money back. If so, that's why I love going to places like Japan. You've been to Japan. Oh yeah. I love Japan. Services is, is top yeah. notch. You walk into 7-Eleven and it's like, oh, and they're like, I'm like, oh my God, you know, I'm a celebrity. They're so friendly they're, and it doesn't matter what they're doing. It's like, they're grateful to be doing it and they're happy to be and it's amazing love that country and i know you guys the way you run your business it's you create a sense of community yeah and we're trying to bring a level of hospitality into you know combative sports and and gyms which is like severely lacking you know it's a service industry but they don't provide that type of service they just think well my job is to be here to get you in shape and nothing else it's like okay people need a lot of things and and that's one of them but you know a lot of people you know they need to have a fun conversation laugh and see people they know and you know have some community like that's all tied in it's not just one aspect so yeah that, that idea of just like beating down and abusing the new guy only works if the guy wants to be a ufc fighter or yeah. something right like doesn't work for joe Blow. like a guy like me yeah. my age gonna come in and work out like i'm I, i'm not there to get beat like, up and treat enough, like shit yeah same yeah yeah, I think the, the, the bottom line is if you treat people with a smile and nothing but respect, even if your product or service is not the best, yeah, like they will come back. Yeah, yeah. You, you've you've secured repeatability. Yeah. You see that like three star restaurant that they're over the top friendly and they know your name, they know your order, you know they never, you know they remember you, they put you in the spot that you'd like to be versus the five star place that's kind of rude and they have good food, you know they deliver on time. But they, their hospitality is cold. Sucks. They're you know? yeah, they're pretentious yeah. and they yeah. they act they act like they're it's the, like the airlines. Yeah, they, yeah. they act like they're a, a butler for the royal family yeah. or something. And you're like, come on, dude, just talk to me like a normal person. Bring me a beer. You know, like, <laughs> are you listening, TSA? Yeah. Are you listening? Oh god, don't don't treat people with disrespect. I almost yeah. lost it in New York. But again, I'm like, you know what? I'm in New York. They're all unhappy. 
Um, yeah. Sleep. We're here about sleep, which uh, I, I know impacts all our lives. Um, we probably didn't worry about it in our 20s and early 30s. When when I want to go around the room, and we got Judd uh, virtually. Um, when did you first realize you had sleep problems? Well, so I think like grappling, um, you're wrestling a lot. Your neck gets thicker, and that definitely doesn't help me. Um, and then I, I started snoring when before I didn't snore, and I, I think I was starting to become a mouth breather. And then I had a bunch of nose breaks from striking, <clears throat> and that obviously didn't help at all because the septums deviated. But I didn't want to fix it because it could happen again, and then, you, you know, kind of getting uh, breaks on top of breaks. So, um that's why I started realizing I was waking up more and also getting, getting older. You have to go to the bathroom more in the middle of the night. So there's more disrupting things happen. You know, you have, if you have wine at the end of the night, then I don't sleep as well either. Um, if I'm thinking about too much, then I'm not thinking there's like so many factors. There's like 30 factors that can affect my sleep now. So it's like now, you know, I mean, what kind of light you're getting, um, you know, I have a, an old senile dog that gets scared with thunder and lightning. So she, is the room it keeps me up half that i'm like i have to give my dog anxiety medication in the middle of the night because that's not good it's so yeah. awesome so i'm like so awesome i'm sleeping well i have an anxious fucking senile dog scratching at the door trying to get out i don't know what to do yeah so not easy dyson yeah. well i've uh i got i had my sleep study done like 10 years ago but i've always put kickboxing get my nose broken and if i woke up i think if your brain pulls out of sleep six minutes or less you have chronic sleep apnea mine woke up every two minutes mm. so yeah i wear cpap every night now yeah darth vader darth vader man but i have to wear it i mean it's like a <clears throat> night and day difference if i don't wear it yeah do you feel like it's choking you some nights though i've ripped that thing off in the middle of the night yeah i guess unfortunately i wake up with that thing off all the time I yeah just, i must take it off but i used to have the full face yeah. But then that sort of gave me panic attacks. Yeah. Because you kind of got to get into a, a, a rhythm with it and breathe right, in and right. out. And it was just like overpressurizing and that was just stressing me out. And then I went to the Stephalefkis one. Yep. But then I started mouth breathing through that. Right. So I have to like either tape my mouth or wear a chin strap like a kook. My girlfriend just looks at me and shakes her head. She's <laughs> have, like, You're, you, I, I, what am I doing? <laughs> have, you, have you tried just like a, a dental device? Do you... I, so. I'm like, I come with problems. I gag when I wear mouthpieces. Yeah. So I have to cut mine back so so much. So if I wear a mouthpiece, I'll, I'll just I'll start gagging. Mm. Just just take me out early. Mm. Pasture to pasture. Just take me Sometimes out. there's a pasture case. I know you are the sleep ex expert, but did you, I mean, did you I, suffer? I, I didn't, no, I, I don't know. The only sleep problem I ever had is I just didn't value it. You know, um, I came from probably the two worst professions ever to value sleep. You know, you go through SEAL training, you go a week without sleeping, how how important could it be uh and then medical you know medical school internship residency all that stuff's like you know you're staying up you're staying up 48 <laughs> hours 48 hours in a row can, can they can they can the audience see that damn you people awesome <laughs> damn you people this is this that, uh, is what tyson sends us i call this sleep sleep apnea porn this like, is actually uh the world's most successful birth control device is the CPAP. Right. <laughs> That's what my guys have my ears plugged, I have my mouth taped. I just, it's a spectacle. You realize, so his name is Bane? Yeah. Um, uh, and that actually comes from the fact that I had to wear a CPAP and my first girlfriend in Austin, she's like, 
you like Bane, the, the character from Batman. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, but I mean, it's embarrassing. Like if you're single and like, you know, maybe you guys just had a interlude and you know, she's going to sleep over and Not it's the first chance. time sleeping over. You're like, hey, that was really special. <laughs> yeah. I think I really like you. Yeah, just the process alone. You probably want earplugs in, yeah. the mouthpiece, or like candle. It's 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 embarrassing. In fact, uh, the first time I found out was with uh, in Afghanistan in Konar Province. We went to an army outstation. They were in uh, the Pesh River Valley. I had Lou Langless, uh, Tom Ratzloff, um, not Jonas. No, no, Jonas Kelso was there, and. Uh, uh, Reeves and uh, I woke up in the morning and they're like, Hey, um, you go 30 seconds without breathing. And I had to wake up in the middle of the night to make sure you were breathing. It's scary to watch somebody do it. And and they're like, you, you need to go take a sleep apnea test. That was 2010. Mm-hmm. And uh, the next night they made me sleep in a, a different room <laughs> with, <laughs> with uh, two Afghanis. Yeah. And of course I was like a new guy and so I had no choice, but yeah. uh, I didn't take a sleep apnea test until 2015 and within 30 minutes they had to come into the room and put me on oxygen me too they said my 15 seconds breathing anywhere from 30 to 40 seconds no breathing 15 seconds breathing they called it uh disruptive sleep apnea yeah which i'm sure all sleep sleep apnea it's like uh is it mild train uh uh brain or traumatic brain yeah, injury yeah. no all mild brain moderate injury is is, is is traumatic it pulls yeah. your brain out of sleep right because you don't we don't wake up it just your brain wakes up right well, I mean, it depends on what it depends on what you consider sleep, right? So, I mean, when when we when we do that, that's based on a histogram which has it's a combination of your respiratory rate, your heart rate, uh, your um, uh, and well, your movement, your eye movement, and then also what your brain waves are doing, right? So, there's like predictable patterns in your brain. You combine all that, and we can say looking at all that stuff combined, we can say, oh, he's in stage three sleeper, stage four sleeper, whatever. Um, and then if you come out of that and you wake up, right, that's uh, by our definition, you're, you're awake, whether you, whether you remember it, whether sure. you feel like you're awake or not, uh, you're awake. So like a lot of times they'll say uh, they have 300 wakings per hour, but you ask that guy and he says, I never woke up. Like, I, I don't, like, I never felt like I was awake. So um, it, it's just coming out of the predictable pattern of sleep. So um, you know, you're, you're in, you're in some stage of sleep, but you're just not in the appropriate stage of sleep. How long does REM sleep last for? <clears throat> well, it, it lasts different, uh, different amounts for different stages. So when you first go to sleep, your first sleep cycle is primarily deep sleep. And then sleep cycle is like 90 to 120 minutes. So you go from stage one down to two, three and four, which is slow wave sleep cycle. That's the deep sleep. That's the really anabolic time. That's when all your hormones are being regulated. That's when you're fighting off infections, repairing damage, muscles and tendons and all that stuff, getting waste products out of your brain. That's all deep sleep. And you do that. The first sleep cycle is like 90% deep sleep. And then you come up, you have like a little bit of REM sleep. Every sleep cycle after that, more REM, less deep. So where the final sleep cycle is usually like 90% REM sleep. So uh, ideally, you you know, you would want something, you know, in the, in the, the order, you know, it, it varies, but uh, let's just say stage two is approximately half of your sleep. And we talk about that later. Um, so if stage two is half, then the other half is comprised of deep in weight or deep in uh, REM. So uh, 30-ish, you know, 25 to 35% based on how much how much you're in stage two. It, it's a rough approximation. Uh, but 
the uh, the the real disorders of sleep is that that's not happening predictably, right? So I should be able to draw it out and say, oh, he's gone across a deep sleep. He's been in there for you know 50, 60 minutes, whatever. So you're expecting him to come up into REM, and then he's going to be in REM, and it's going to go. But if you're like all of a sudden you're in deep sleep, and then you shoot up to like a wakefulness, like REM, so the when we're basing it on your on your uh, brain waves, the brain waves of REM look almost identical to being awake, very similar. Uh, the brain waves of deep sleep are completely different. It's like being in deep meditation or something like that. Can, can we? You, so you you've created a reputation internationally as one of the foremost sleep experts. You've written books. Yep. You've got Doc Parsley's Sleep Aids, which is great. And Will, if you could throw that up for everyone uh, watching or listening, uh, this stuff is great. <clears throat> and and I've, I've also, yeah, we'll get into that, but for any high performer, I know it started with, you were the doctor to the West Coast SEAL teams yeah. and something was wrong with these guys. And, and again, it doesn't matter whether they're special operators or fighters or high performers in any industry, they're suffering pretty much what any high performer, but can you tell the story of how you identified it <clears throat> and why sleep is, I've heard you say it, the gateway to pretty much all health. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, what happened is, uh, yeah, I went back to the SEAL teams as a physician <clears throat> and uh, I, I got there at a great time to. And, and by the way, I'm going to, so that's what, if you guys didn't know, that's what we do with sort of the non-performers as SEALs. We send them to, them to uh, medical school and they do pretty well. Like Johnny Kim, underperformer in the SEALs, now yeah. NASA astronaut, Harvard yeah. doctor. Did we, you like, doc wasn't cutting it. We're like, hey, we're going to send you to medical school. That's right. Um, and it's not, you don't even get a choice. Um so I, I came back as a physician and, and we just got the funding for the human performance program, tactical athlete program, whatever. And we built our first rehab facility, all the crap that think people would have thought SEALs had, like, you know, we hired our first nutritionist, our first strength and conditioning coach, our first athletic trainer, our first PT, like, um, so we had this great rehab facility. Um, and, you know, we had all these experts coming through, ortho and pain rounds coming through, chiropractor coming through, uh, acupuncture, all these people coming through. And so... I was now the like the least uh, the least valuable person there because I was like the dumbest guy around because we'd hire all these great people from professional sports teams and all that. Um, and so in the military, what do they do? Put you in charge. So it's like you supervise all these people, right? So that was really my job. I became a supervisor as a as a medical doctor. Um, but because my my office was in that hallway between like the rehab and the gym guys would come in and close the door and be like, Hey man, let me tell you what's, you know, usually people don't tell the doctor what's going on. Cause it's, you could disqualify me. Like you could say you can't be in your platoon anymore. So they'd come, yeah, I'd been a seal recently enough to where a lot of people knew me, had a reputation, all that stuff. And so they'd come and talk to me and they listed out all these symptoms, which is now what they call the operator syndrome, which we, yep. which we uh, talked to, um, Dr. Chris about uh, yep. a few weeks ago. Uh, I was calling it the SEAL syndrome then, but yeah, they came in. They're like, "Hey, um, my mood sucks. My, I am I'm edgy with my kids. I'm edgy at work. I can't concentrate. I can't focus. My motivation sucks. I'm getting fatter. I'm getting weaker. I'm, like um, everything in my life's going to crap." But they don't have any disease, right? And so uh, I didn't have the slightest idea. I thought, you know, this is 2009, so it's like eight years of combat. Maybe this is like the shell shock or the uh, yeah, whatever they call it, combat fatigue and various wars. Um, so I, I just tested everything I could possibly test. Uh, and I did like 98 blood markers. It's costing like $3,000 per guy to do it. And um, I got in trouble for that as, as well. Um, but, you know, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 guys in come and tell me the same story. One guy said something about Ambien. And I was like, well, it seems like a lot of guys said 
something about Ambien. And then I go back after he leaves, I go back through all my files and every single guy who had been in my office was taking Ambien. I was like, huh, I wonder if that, I wonder if that, because I didn't know anything about sleep. I, I didn't learn it. I didn't have a single class on sleep in medical school, uh, knew nothing that, you know, the SEALs didn't know. Um, and so I was like, well, I wonder if this could be a factor. You know, that's a long convoluted path to go down because the pharmaceutical industry actually owns the research and they let out what they want. But um, anyway, over some, over time, I figured out, hey, I, I think like once I learned enough about sleep, I was like every single symptom these guys have could be explained by sleep, lack of sleep. And that, I, I wasn't naive enough to think that would solve everything. But it was like every single symptom could be that could be the cause. So let's get rid of the sleep aids. Um, and that's why we had to come up with a supplement because I couldn't just take away their Ambien and say, suck it up. Right. I, I had to give them something. They couldn't sleep. That's why they were taking Ambien. So like we came up with this combination of, uh, of supplements, which I just got from learning the physiology of sleep. Like what happens when you're asleep? What, what, what nutrients do you need? What, what's a common deficiency? So I just came up with a combination of like the six most important nutrients involved in uh, all the normal sleep cascades, uh, but the guys are having to go to all is pre pre Amazon, you know, like so guys are going to the health food stores, driving buying all over all town, food. buying, you know, big, and and you know, and and the brands weren't consistent. It's like, well, you know, this is a good brand and that's a good brand, but like they're out of this brand, so and it is a pain in the ass for them. And so they they really just harangued me into making the product. You know, I I'd gotten out. I was in I was in a concierge practice in San Diego, and I just got a I got a call like every every two or three days, I got a call from somebody going, dude, can you just make this into a product? It's such a pain in the ass. So I was like, yeah, I'll just step out of practice for a year. I'll do some consulting. I'll start this company. I'll go back in and you know, I'll go back into practice and I'll be over. And that was like nine years ago. And so it's obviously uh, um, didn't work out quite like that, but never ended up selling it to the military. <laughs> but uh, you know, the, the guys, when they got off of Ambien, you know, their testosterone would triple, quadruple, their, all their inflammatory cascades would go down, their thyroid function would improve, their insulin growth, uh, insulin like growth. So te test went up two every, to three times. Time. Like I had, I had, you know, CEOs of, you know, guys in their forties, CEOs of the, of the teams and exes of the teams coming to me and saying, I like, I PR today, not for my age, but for my life, like the best I've ever done. And like this exercise, this, this workout, whatever. You're sharing a mic, buddy. Okay. You have to share a mic when, when. Well, okay. no, 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 you're oh, talking, no, you're okay. talking. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I got everybody, uh, everybody who came in my office got off of Ambien. Alcohol was also a big problem. So we had to limit the drinking. I didn't expect them to not drink. That's a little presumptive. Don't you think? Yeah. Just, you're going to just out, you know, rule out alcohol. No, 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 no. I ruled out the possibility of getting them to stop drinking. Alcohol was a problem. I guarantee you it still is, but. What there's exactly. an ideal there's an ideal way to live life and there's a reality and yeah. you, you know in between there you supplement and you do hacks and little you know tricks and gadgets and supplements and things like that and that's what we had to do because i'm not going to get a bunch of 28 year old seals to never drink again 28 do you, do you remember that when you used to be able to like rage until about three in the morning knowing you had to be up at six get up and go work out drunk yeah, or or, or, or even <laughs> worse great. to step onto the firing range yeah. with three hours of sleep yeah. and alcohol still in your system yep you know i'm not trying to make light of that no. but that was just the way but there was a point where like when i hit 33 i'm like oh dude i can't do it anymore what is the actual physiological like when people drink even if they have a few drinks what's what's affecting their sleep well so alcohol is a toxin right and now bj shows up i guess he's in the office um 
Big John. Big, big John is big here. Big John. They're working tech issues in the office. Oh, got ya. Um, looks like, uh, what's that big? What, hey, what, 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 what Barney, is Barney? Over or under, he's going to dominate the conversation. Barney. He's, like Barney. he's going to be in another room and still dominate the conversation. Barney. Um, what was I talking about? You're talking about alcohol. Oh, yeah, somebody. alcohol. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yes, yeah, so the alcohol uh, gets metabolized um, and it essentially becomes formaldehyde um, and it's inflammatory. And it and because it's a poison in your blood, it causes a spike in your adrenal hormones, your cortisol, epinephrine, norepinephrine, we call the stress hormones. And those are what keep you awake, right? Um, so when you're in fight or flight, you have maximum stress hormones, right? That's what that means. Every, every resource in your body is marshaled to get you out of that situation. Nothing matters. It doesn't right. matter if you can digest, doesn't matter if you can fix your broken ankle, fight off an infection, none of that matters. All that matters is getting out of that situation. So that's what, that's what stress hormones do. They, they focus you on the moment and the environment to the proportion that it's dangerous. The lowest stress hormone you'll ever have in your life is during deep sleep. And so that's the exact opposite of fight or flight. So uh, uh, fight or flight is completely catabolic. It means that you're using your body as a fuel source. You're using, uh, you're breaking down, like you're breaking down your muscles into amino acids. You're getting rid of all your stored glycogen to elevate your blood glucose. So that's catabolic. It's breaking you down. It's eating you. That's why you can't run around and fight or flight all the time and be superhuman strong and all that stuff because you would die from, you know, consuming your body. So anabolic activities, the exact opposites when you're repairing. So when you work out, obviously you get weaker. Like you go to the gym, you work out, you can't do as much work when you leave the gym as you could when you got there, you got weaker. So why do we work out? Because when you go to sleep, it's anabolic and your body says, Oh, this was too hard for us today. We're going to repair in a way so that so we can do that tomorrow without being as damaged. And that's how you get stronger. That's how you get faster, more enduring, whatever you're doing. That's uh, <clears throat> when all that happens. So if, if you, if your stress hormones are too high, that anabolic phase doesn't work as well. Right. So you don't get the repair. And the other thing that happens is all of your hormones, like I said, all like every hormone in your body is regulated during deep sleep. And so the first sleep cycle is the most important sleep cycle. The next sleep cycle is the second most because that's when deep sleep is, right? REM sleep is primarily working on your brain. It's working on your memories, your emotions, your cognitive functioning, problem solving skills, all that type of stuff. Um, but as far as repairing your body and making yourself able to do work tomorrow, um, that's deep sleep. Alcohol gets rid of about 80% of deep sleep. Great. Then Ambien gets rid of about 80% of REM sleep. And so <clears throat> alcohol does 80, eight, yeah, eight, alcohol does 80% uh, deep sleep, 20% REM sleep. Ambien does exactly the opposite. So when guys take Ambien with alcohol, which is almost all of them, I do a sleep study on 99.99% stage two sleep, which is no deep sleep and no REM sleep, which is the restorative sleep. That's where you're actually getting better. I don't even know how they survive it. Like when you look at the physiology of sleep and what goes on, what has to happen for you to continue going, I don't, I don't know how anybody survives it. It seemed because I like the guys who are coming to my office and complaining, most of them had been suffering this way for five or 10 years, you know? And it, like, if you, if you told me essentially you're not going to get any sleep right for five years, I'm like, no way you can't survive it. And in fact, there's, there's a, there's a disease. It's a genetic disorder that causes people to, lose the ability to sleep in their thirties and they all die within like three or four months. So like as soon as they just, they go from like 
I can only sleep four hours. I can only sleep two hours. I can't really sleep at all. Three months later, they're dead. I mean, every, like every single one of them. And so I'm sitting there looking at these sleep studies. I'm like, I don't even know how, I don't even know how they live. This <laughs> doesn't make any sense. It's like when you do the traumatic brain injury and you look at the forces needed to cause a, a TBI and, uh, and then you realize, okay, every seal I know has 30,000 of these, right. And not like all the boxers, you know, like they all have thousands of these, like how does their brain still function? It's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, so if if you're not and, and and it's not just you don't just think about like building muscle and becoming more enduring either it's like when you're when you're in deep sleep and everything's repairing that's everything right so every cell in your body is a miniature version of you it's it's taking in nutrients it's taking in oxygen it's doing work and it's producing waste you have to get rid of that waste <laughs> you have to restore those nutrients um just like you can't go without getting rid of your waste you can't go without taking in nutrients or oxygen and that's and this happens uh, during the day, you build up waste products and you reduce your cells ability to do work. And when that uh, ability is so low, your brain's like, we're going to sleep. No matter what you think, we're going to sleep right now because we're not going to survive if we don't do this. And everything shuts down. And that's what we call sleep pressure. Um, and, and so if you don't if you don't do that repair, it's not just that you aren't getting better. It's like um, you're, you're dying, right? Like you, you're actually killing cells in your body. You're becoming dysfunctional. They're becoming diseased. Um, and you know, like the, your appetite is regulated during deep sleep. Like the, the hormones that regulate how hungry you're going to be the next day and what your body's going to do with the fuel that you eat. So the food you eat, are there's carbohydrates and proteins and fats going towards building something, or are they going to be stored as fat? Or are they just going to be wasted? That's called fuel partitioning that's dependent upon your hormones that's all set when you're asleep so you don't get good sleep <clears throat> you think about it if you if i could go to sleep the whole point of me going to sleep tonight is to repair everything i did today and then to prepare for tomorrow so that tomorrow i could do today better than i did yesterday than i did today right um if if i and and that takes eight hours right so if i get really bad sleep low quality sleep and i don't quite do it or if I choose to sleep less than I need to, which humans, by the way, are the only animals on the planet that do that. Uh, no other animal will deliberately sleep deprive itself. Um, and so if I, if I don't get enough sleep, I'm choosing to go in tomorrow with not prepared. Well, tomorrow still comes. How do I get through it? Like, where do I get the energy from? Where do I get the resources? I didn't, I didn't store them all. I didn't prepare. I didn't repair and prepare. How, how do I get through tomorrow? I do it with by increasing stress hormones, right? So I'm less anabolic. I'm less capable. One of the biggest things is that uh, stress hormones impair your prefrontal cortex, right? The front part of our brain that makes us the smartest animal on the planet that gives us the ability to plan and schedule and predict outcomes and do complex problem solving. That's all gone. Like when you're in fight or flight, you're not capable of that, right? You're in a gunfight. Somebody asks you your phone number. You have no idea, right? Um, but... You, if you prepare, if you could completely repair from today and prepare for tomorrow to where I go in tomorrow better than I was today, I would never age. Right. So by I, definition. I watch my dog's pattern in animals. It seems like they nap a lot. Mm -hmm. What is the, the idea? Say I get like six and a half hours, what you typically get, and then I get a good hour nap during the day. Um, how, what is, where does napping fill in, uh, fit in with this? Because it seems kind of normal in the animal kingdom. They're, you know, very on the on the schedule too like right three o'clock boom out right so 
I mean, animals that are closer to, uh, you know, predation, you know, either being preyed upon or being predators themselves, you know, they, they have completely different sleep wake cycles than animals that don't like that don't do that. Right. So we've evolved, we've evolved out, out of that over, you know, millions of years, hundreds of thousands of years to be able to sleep more consolidated. Uh, I mean, one can imagine that, you know, 200,000 years ago, maybe a hundred thousand years ago, we couldn't sleep. We couldn't lay down and sleep throughout the night for eight hours. But what we found is that once that became an option for humans, that, that, by, that came, that became the default. You can study hunter gatherers today, which I don't know if y'all know this, but I, I was surprised to learn this about uh, 15 years ago. I was doing research on this. There are still like 30 or 40, 30 or 40 hunter gatherer tribes in, in the world who have never experienced electricity. They've never seen a light bulb, flashlight, anything like that. They, they know nothing about it and they still live like our ancestors did. I'm going to make a guess that none of them are obese. No. And they're, they're, all, they're all equatorial, right? Um, but we've done, They've, they've done, uh, you know, like wearable devices, activity on these guys. Um, and lo and behold, you know, the sun goes down, which is the cue for us to start getting sleepy, the lack of blue light. Sun goes down about two to three hours later, their brain's still ready to sleep. They sleep. They wake up right around the time the sun comes up, which turns out to be about eight hours on the on the equator, right? Uh, or near the equator uh, within the first, you know, three or four latitudes, I guess. Um, and so... Uh, you know, if you look at if you look at journaling, like the the farther you go north or south, the further you are from the equator, the longer the night to day ratio can change with seasons. So if you look at like uh, you know early European or later European early American journaling, people spent like fourteen hours. Like if you lived around the New York area, like kind of where the thirteen colonies started, people you were in bed like fourteen hours, right? Um, now they didn't sleep the whole time. They actually did a dual sleep. So they would sleep. And I think they would get like most of their deep sleep done, like the first two, three sleep cycles. And then they'd wake up for like two or three hours. And then they would have sex or talk to their neighbors or read a book or whatever. And then they'd go back to sleep and wait and sleep until the sun came up because they didn't have electricity. What the hell are they going to do? You know? So like they, they just got used to it. But you know what, you know, what we found is that, you know, give, given given the opportunity, like given a, a you know, an eight hour night and a sixteen hour day, basically roughly uh, is sort of equatorial sunshine to darkness ratio. That you know, that's what that's what, and in there, that's where we all evolved, right? Like we all started kind of where the, around the equator, and as we could build shelters and clothing and that type of stuff, we we could get further away. But you know, probably the first several hundred thousand years of human existence, we all lived pretty damn close to the equator. So Kirk, do, do those tribes, do they take naps? Because I, I read a study recently that the, the dual sleep cycle was was more of a natural cycle for humans to have some kind of an afternoon nap. Well, the, uh, so if, if you, that, I forgot why I got on the story. <laughs> Thanks for reminding if, if you've watched those people, they don't really nap. Like if it's super, super hot uh, and they like lay up under a tree, like, because they're just getting in the shade, they don't have air conditioners and stuff, right? So if they're just trying to chill out, uh, they'll doze off here and there, um, but they don't do consolidated naps. Whereas we know, obviously, like you have famous, you know, there's several Latin uh, countries that are, that, are, that, are, that, are, that are famous for the siesta um, because that's a normal energy cycle, right? So if you, if you get up, um, you know, you're, 
you get a little dip in the midday and your cortisol levels if you if, and you know cortisol without any light or noise or whatever alarm clocks cortisol would wake you up right you could sleep in a completely dark cold soundless environment and when your body had recovered enough your cortisol levels would be high enough to wake you up and then it would gradually go up through the day and somewhere around midday it'll dip down a little bit and that's where the siesta happens and it still happens for whatever reason so happens to everybody um and then it comes back up and it peaks about two or three o'clock in the afternoon and that's where 98 percent of all world's records are set at that that cortisol level if you're in that if you're in that uh timing range um and uh and, you know and then it gradually goes back down and over the course of the day it should get lower than the point where it woke you up but we live in this really stressful environment now and our, a lot of our cortisol levels are more determined by what we're eating and drinking and how much time we're spending on the phone and driving in traffic and all that other stuff. So it, it's messier now and people essentially burn themselves out, right? Like you can imagine our ancestors probably, you know, didn't get up and sprint through work the way we do. They just didn't have that hectic, that much energy. Uh, uh, so you can, you can deplete your brain's energy sources um, I don't know if I should get into that. Just kind of, but anyway, ATP gets broken down eventually to adenosine, and adenosine causes the, di the desire to sleep. You can do that by doing too much work too fast, or just like a slow, heavy strain throughout the day, and like that that causes you to crash. So if you exceed your ability, your brain's ability to restore its energy sources, you will feel depleted, and you'll need to nap. Um, and I think almost all of us do uh, in modern day. And there, there's actually a great book by uh, Sarah Mednick called "Take a Nap," and it has this <clears throat> has this wheel on the front. And you can put dial in like what time you went to sleep, or what time you went to wake, what time you what time you went to sleep, what time you woke up, and what are you trying to optimize, like creativity, cognitive function, physical function, and then it'll tell you what time. You should take a nap today and for how long and it's a really cool it's a really cool device and in fact this is this would be great for y'all so um i've done this with some mma fighters if they're trying to crunch on a skill right so they're great grapplers they suck at boxing or you know they're fighting somebody who's a great striker and they want to and so for next eight weeks they're going to do you know as much training as they can they need to learn as much as they can in the striking world if you if i if i if everybody in this room got great sleep and woke up uh, tomorrow morning, you, you know, say everybody slept eight great hours, everybody gets up feeling great, and I taught you any skill or tested you on anything. So like anything, it could be like typing with your left hand or a, a movement of weightlifting or like a boxing, you know, a, a punch a strike pattern or something like that, whatever, it doesn't matter, anything we teach you. And then teach you in the morning and then say, come back tonight. And just go about your day, come back tonight, and we're going to test you on what you learned this morning. When you come back tonight, you'll be worse than you were when you left training. But then with no additional training, you go home, you go to sleep that night, you come back the next morning and test, you'll be better than you left that morning. Same thing happens if you take a nap, though. So if you can do a morning training, take a nap, you will come out of that nap just as though you had slept the whole night. And, and what's the duration of that nap, Kirk? <laughs> um Depending on the skill, so a shorter nap is good for creativity. Medium nap is good for cognitive functioning, problem solving, things like that. As far 15 as fifteen minutes, for sure. I'll, I'll get there. Um, and then, and then, uh, phys uh, physical strength, endurance, like anything physical, that's like a full sleep cycle. So that's ninety to one hundred twenty minutes, right? Somewhere around fifteen to twenty minutes is creativity, like. Uh, 
um, Benjamin Franklin, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, a lot of those guys had little tricks where they would fall asleep and like one of them would hold ball bearings in their hand and they'd fall asleep and the ball bearings would hit the ground to wake up and it helped them be creative, right? Um, so short nap, creativity, yeah, 15 to 20 minutes uh, and then somewhere between 20, 45 minutes, uh, 15 minutes maybe, that's a, uh, you'll, you'll get the creativity force, but it also gets the cognitive functioning, problem solving, executive skills. And then, you know, you go the full sleep cycle and you get all of that. Um, and, and what research has shown is that as long as your nap isn't over two hours, right? Because that's 120 minutes, right? 90 to 120 minutes. Um, after that, 200, 121 minutes, we call it sleep. 120 minutes is a nap. Okay, so it's one sleep cycle, uh, maximum of 120 minutes. Um, if you if you wake up from a nap and you're totally dead, that means you're waking up in deep sleep, which means you've gone past one sleep cycle, right? Um, yeah. So 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 just shorten it a little. Just keep shortening it by about 10 minutes till you're waking up, feeling great, like feeling wide awake, uh, probably remembering a dream. Then you've woken up in a REM cycle, and you've done one sleep cycle or pretty close to it. Waking up in deep sleep is super hard because right? you're, like I said, your cortisol stress hormones are the lowest it'll ever be, yeah, and and so you'll wake up just not feeling like being awake, and you got to get your cortisol, your stress hormones cranked back up to feel good. At the cold shower, that's what explains it. Yeah, yeah, that's why. I feel yeah. Cold, and, and then, if there's any one right? thing that I get from, you know, I've got the cold plunge in the backyard, yeah. wakes um, you up. It just, it, it wakes <laughs> me up. And, and, you know, I know John Wellborn is a believer that one of the hardest things we can do every day is the cold plunge. It's true. I don't agree with that. 10 seconds is John's. Yeah. John, John, John said the hardest Jewish. thing that humans Barney. can do is, is do the cold plunge every single day. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, like, uh, who cares? You know, fighting a war in Afghanistan is not nearly as hard as the cold plunge. Old. <laughs> he's talking. He's talking. Yeah, he's, <laughs> let him burn it off. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah, the, the answer is uh, naps. Naps are good. They're uh, as long as they don't go. Like, they will interfere with sleep if you sleep too long. No. If you nap too long. So one hour is good. One sleep cycle <clears throat> is good. Um, and it and it you can't wake up any closer than say like three hours from your bedtime. So like you don't want to take an you don't want to wake up from a nap at ten o'clock and try to go to bed at eleven or something, right? Like that that'll interfere. Um, but yeah, I mean if if you look at people's overall stress hormones throughout the day, which I think is the biggest problem, um, I, I'm pretty sure that maybe not in my lifetime, but fairly soon um, we'll come to the realization that probably all disease is caused by stress. Um, yeah. And uh, you know that that'll be validated through science. Intuitively, it seems right to almost everybody. You know, um, and so anything you can do to decrease stress hormones is effectively decreasing your risk for any disease and death from any cause. And um, and essentially, what we call aging is waking up tomorrow worse than we woke up today. So not great sleep uh, and excess catabolic activity. Catabolic activity ages you, breaks you down. All all aging really means. Uh, in a physiologic sense, to be older just means that you're more susceptible to any disease and you're more susceptible to death from any cause. Let, let, let's let's Delusion. nuance that a bit, though, because people always take something, they take it to the extreme. Well, I can't have any stress in my life. No, some stress is good. Right, well, right. It's like a muscle. If you don't stress the muscle, fall by periods of relaxation. I'm sorry, rest. Well, that, that like stress hormones keep you alert in proportion to your environment. You, without stress hormones, you're dead, right? Lowest, like I said, lowest stress hormones in your life is during deep sleep when your brain and body are completely useless 
to the world, right? It's great. It's great for you. It's restoring your brain and body. And then, you know, as things add up in your life, you should have, you know, as, as your environment becomes more demanding, your stress hormones should go up and they, they go up appropriately. Then you feel the right amount of, uh, say vigilance to your environment. Um, like if you if you wake up on a Sunday morning and you go lay on your couch and you read a book, your stress hormones are pretty close to what you woke up at. But if somebody crashes their car into the front of your house when you're laying there reading a book, your stress hormones going to go way the hell up. So as long as you're getting that proportion, I think the big problem is our, you know, our little tracking devices here with phone apps on them. Like, you know, everybody's always staring at these things. And, you know, we have so much, we have so much information bombardment and all that. Everybody's just running at a higher stress level. And those, like I said, those stress hormones are catabolic. Those stress hormones are counterproductive to you getting bigger, better, faster, and stronger. Um, and they will age you faster. If you look at like, why did the, you know, financially and socially elite look so much younger for their age, right? They don't have, they don't have nearly as much stress. They, they don't, they don't wake up with the concerns. They have resources to handle all the stresses in their lives. And like the less affluent you are, the fewer resources you have, the faster you age, right? <laughs> look, at, I mean, look at a homeless person. Like how, how old did they like? And a homeless person. Overweight. Yeah. <laughs> what's, the, um, what's the concoction in your, your medicine or sleep? Well, so um, the the normal physiology of going to sleep that when the when the blue light goes out of the sky, you have some nerves in your eyes that sense blue light. It has nothing to do with the vision. Blind people can have normal circadian alignment because of this. So the blue light goes out of your eye, it triggers a bunch of pathways, and eventually the the gland in the back is a pineal gland in the back of your brain that secrete something called melatonin. Most people have heard of that's a hormone and that's the initiation cascade for going to sleep. Now the, the whole tryptophan coma thing that everybody talks about on Thanksgiving, all meat has tryptophan and it's just an amino acid. Uh, Turkey doesn't have any special, especially high levels of it, but um, we just don't overeat most meats like we do Turkey uh, and the carbs weigh into it. But anyway, uh, uh, tryptophan becomes five hydroxy tryptophan in your brain. And then with the, with the addition of vitamin D3 and magnesium, you can turn tryptophan or 5-hydroxytryptophan into serotonin. Serotonin then becomes melatonin. Melatonin, like I said, is the initiation cascade. One of the main things that leads to is a release of a, of a neuropeptide called GABA, capital G-A-B-A, gamma amino butyric acid. It would gabapentin. Yeah. And GABA, GABA slows down your neocortex, so the part of our brain that interacts with the world, um, that all of our sensory processing of all our sensory, all of our motor. Um, mm -hmm. That's our neocortex. You have, when you're asleep, all of that's dissociated, right? Like you, everything still works, your eyes and ears, like every, you can, you know, you can turn on the light and wake somebody up because their eyes are still working. They're just not paying attention to it. And so uh, the GABA slows everything down. Once GABA slows everything down and you dissociate enough from the world, that's when we call you asleep. That's when all the brain waves and respiratory rate and heart rate and all that thing would change to where we'd say that guy's asleep. Um, and uh, my product then wasn't meant to do any sort of trick to make people go to sleep. It's just to make sure that all the nutritional substances were there. So there's tryptophan, 5-hydroxytryptophan, vitamin D3, magnesium, very small amount. How much melatonin? That's like, two, so like two micrograms. Because uh, it's just like from sundown to sunup, your brain will produce somewhere around six micrograms. So not 100% of what's in the product can get to your brain. So I don't, I don't want to overshoot, but I want to give enough to start. And then there's GABA in there, and then L-theanine is an amino acid that helps GABA do its work. So 
Uh, and then just recently, like two year and a half ago, two years ago, I added phosphatidylserine in there, which is a compound that lowers stress hormones, that lowers cortisol. And that's actually great for you guys to know if you're boxing, if people take phosphatidylserine when they're working out hard, they'll produce less uh, cortisol, less stress on their muscles. It'll actually improve their lactate threshold and their VO2 max. Yeah, it's pretty good. Kirk, what, what are the side effects of more than two milligrams of of melatonin micrograms 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 um so the so melatonin is actually ubiquitous uh, uh hormone it's, um, it's there's way more made in your gut than there's made in your brain uh, and it's a great antioxidant has a lot of cellular functions but as far as sleep when you take when you take too much of any hormone you downregulate the production of the hormone and you downregulate the receptors all right so if uh so if uh, if I have normally say a hundred receptors on all of my like like at hundred receptors in a quantified area of my brain for a normal level of melatonin, that's how many receptors I need to have that right. If I take something like uh, a high really high dose of melatonin, or if I take a sleep aid, uh, well we won't get into that. Um, if I take a really high dose of melatonin, I have maybe like one milligram if you think about it. If it's six micrograms over eight. To 10 hours one milligram is a huge overdose right so i go in there and say maybe my brain has 10 times more melatonin than it needs because i'm thinking that's going to really initiate right. sleep right down. Down. and it will for a while while you still have 100 100 receptors but what your body does is says hey this stuff's everywhere we don't need so many receptors yeah. and then you down regulate your receptors and so if i have 10 times more than i need if i do that for six to eight weeks my brain's maybe down to 10 receptors and now it's balanced just like it would have been if, if i had never taken anything and now if i ever quit taking that one milligram i have 10 percent of the melatonin i need because i just don't have the receptors for it and that's true for every hormone that's why you know uh you know that, that's one of the big problems with hormone replacement therapy when, people, when doctors put people on on testosterone therapy and they don't know what they're doing they give this big bolus and not all their androgen receptors go away and then after Two or three months of being on it, like I feel as bad as I've ever felt. Yeah, they have this super physiologic dose of, of testosterone, but their the receptors are so far gone that they just they're right where they were when they started, you know, uh, comparatively. So um, we haven't proven quantifiably because it's hard to measure inside the brain. We haven't proven that the uh, melatonin production would go down like it does with testosterone. Obviously, if you take a testosterone injection, your testicles just quit producing testosterone because you don't need it. Um, <clears throat> so we haven't proven that happens with melatonin just because I think it's hard to prove. Um, and it's such a small amount anyway that you're talking about. Um, but we have proven that it downregulates receptors. Yeah, and so it it's, it's effectively the same thing. doesn't matter. I see, I see parents giving their kids melatonin at night because they want the kids to go down quickly. Right. And then their kids can't fall asleep without it. Right. So, <clears throat> can you, up, can you upregulate it to like, yeah, well, well, you have to, you have to take it away. I mean, you have to suffer through it. Um, yeah. but once you take away that the receptors will come back. Your body. Yeah. So I, you may have heard this. I, and this was always just maybe a, a story of lore. Maybe this actually did is that NASA utilized special operations to come in and test sleep as well as food deprivation. Food deprivation makes sense because your stomach after, little days of no food will eventually start to shrink, right? Mm -hmm. But they did, uh, from what I was told, identify that there is no such thing as sleep deficit. Like, you just can't train to that. Uh, your body 
There's no such thing as a sleep deficit. Well, no, 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 that you can't train to a sleep def deficit. Your body will eventually just sort of shut down and and you've got to sleep. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's sleep, no ability to train. Yeah, yeah. To sleep you, less. You, you can't overcome your need for sleep. Yeah, right. That, it's just a biological yeah. requirement. Like you, so if you drink less water, and all of a sudden you don't, you can survive. Yeah, like water. standard <laughs> crystals. Wrong. Like four hours a night. I couldn't train myself to be able to operate at four hours a night because right. my body's just different. Right. Now, yeah. That is that's going to be physiological. Now. Like I put General Stanley McChrystal and you've got these other guys like, again, McRaven, they sleep four hours a day. Then they get up in, in their diets, too. If you ever looked at their diets, it's like I think Stan McChrystal said he ate a Snickers, an apple, and yes. then dinner. It, it, but also, those guys, I've never seen anyone with the ability. The, the interesting thing about, again, McChrystal, McRaven, and those, they're, they're cut from a different cloth. They'll remember your name. They'll meet you at a conference. Of course, I'm no one. And then they'll see you in a year and they'll be like, Mike's really, right? I'm like. Yeah, but that but, that's always yeah. that's always amazed me. If all flag officers can do that, yeah, like everyone. Uh, let's. Uh, recently. He's like, hey, John, holy. Yeah, I, let, let's not here. throw all generals and admirals into. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying that a lot of <clears throat> all the all the ones I know, and and I'm exactly the opposite. I can't remember the general's name or the admiral's name. Hey, buddy, there's sure not that many. I'm like, I know yeah. you. Hey. I can barely remember a girl's name. Yeah, in the in the morning, back in the day. Um, I'd love to talk um about best practices side of supplement yeah. you know blue screens setting aside time some people will actually start doing breathing techniques um i can barely get the nice. triple click at night goes red screen yeah. i yeah. like i can't convince jordan and, and make sure you guys are talking in the mic because it's hard for people but i can barely get jordan to remove the tv from the bedroom i'm trying mm -hmm. to like say hey yeah. let's just move it let's create a tv room over there yeah let's get, get rid of it of yeah, yeah. Better of us for two things. Like, once you're sleeping and sex, yeah. We'll talk about sex and sleeping. But, but I, I, I'd also like to qualify that because I, I can't, you know, I, I say that in my lectures a lot and I constantly get accused of saying that uh, something I didn't say. I didn't say that you can only have sex in your bed. Right? You can have sex anywhere, but your bed is only for sleeping sex. Um, but yeah, yeah, so the, to answer his questions, like what, what are the best practices it's super easy um obviously there's a good living to be made and making it complex and uh, yeah you can go on the internet and find thousands and thousands of opinions on you know, what are the best practices <clears throat> but all you have to do is think about think about it from an evolutionary standpoint <clears throat> what did our ancestors do that's how we evolved right it and you think about how vulnerable humans are well in general um but how especially vulnerable we would be out in the wild before houses and um, you know cities and neighborhoods and things like that, how vulnerable were we to predators? If evolution, if somebody could have evolved to only need four hours of sleep, evolution would have favored that, right? So we obviously need eight hours of sleep. Um, if we could have evolved out of that, we definitely should have. So, and maybe, I don't know, maybe our ancestors slept 12 hours or 16 hours and like eight was the selected out criteria, who knows? Um, but, uh, if you think about our ancestors, like what happened? The sun went down. There was no light. Maybe a campfire, right? Campfire is great because they also it's also emitting uh, near infrared light, which has some effect on your your skin, mitochondria, energy production, all that stuff. So there's some benefit on top of that. But um, very 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 little blue light and a and a fire, um, like a natural fire, wood fire, and so forth. Um, and so the blue light would go down in their eyes that melatonin would start getting secreted. And like I said, the 
GABA would flood the brain and take you out of your environment, right? Metaphor, you know, like uh, figuratively, not literally. Um, but you'll start paying less attention to your environment. You're not going to be, you know, they wouldn't be out climbing climbing trees and rocks and lifting heavy things and whatever. They wouldn't be out working. They're, they're going to tuck away in their little corner next to their fire or something like that. And uh, the, um, that you're given enough time when your brain when your brain function slows down your neocortex slows down enough then you start feeling sleepy the other thing that happens when the sun goes down because it was before hvac they got colder their body temperature went down that's all there is to sleep hygiene that's 100 percent of sleep hygiene lack of blue light lack of interaction with the environment with your brain and lower body temperature and if you think about uh you ever had kids or been a little, been a little kid? Uh, like you don't take a three-year-old boy who's banging trucks together and put him in his bed and turn off the light and walk out of the room and expect that to work. Why? They have to get ready for bed, right? We need to get ready for bed too. We just don't think we do as adults, right? Um, and if we and if we push that energy expenditure far enough, we have enough adenosine in our brain. We have so much sleep pressure. Um, we can sleep no matter what, right? So like, you know, you're, you're as familiar as I am with this, like, uh, you know, going out to Nyland and planning, you know, planning an exercise for three days where you essentially don't sleep and then going out on a two day up. And during the day you lay up underneath a thorn bush with rattlesnakes and scorpions everywhere and you can sleep like you're yeah. dead. Like, you, you oh, sleep standing awesome. up. Yeah. I you're like, sleep standing up yeah. all the time. It's like, oh, this is great. Um, so you can sleep paddling. Yeah, you, you, can, you can push it so far. Uh, that you're, you're just going to sleep no matter what. Um, but if you say so like you, you think of a little kid, he's banging trucks together, rough housing. He's super excited. Um, what do we do? Well, we, we say, Hey, time to quit. We're getting ready for bed. Time to quit rough housing, right? Like you can work on puzzles. You can read your books, whatever you can do slow, quiet things. Ideally you dim the lights a little bit. Then you put them in a bath. Why? lowers their body temperature. You don't give a kid a 99 degree bath, right? You give a kid an 80 something degree bath. So you're going to lower their body temperature. Then you put them in pajamas and you put a powder all over them because you're decreasing their stimulation to their skin. And then you, you put them in a bed and you don't read them a book they've never heard of. You read them a book that they know really well. So they aren't actually thinking about it. It's just like yeah. a trance. And that's the reason Dr. Seuss's books were so great because they rhymed and they were so predictable and they had this cadence and kids just mm. and like, you know, my, Oh, I read to my kids every night and my, uh, my oldest son, I think for six years, we did the exact same book every oh, night man. at bedtime. Yeah. And I was, and, and I just had it memorized. I'd be falling asleep and reading, like not changing the page. Yeah. And he'd be like, wake up, dad. What is it you're about, on the wrong, you're on the wrong page. What is it about movement that makes you go to sleep? You know, a bus or a plane or. <clears throat> yeah. I, I don't know about Some that. There, there's, there's, there's. I always fall asleep on buses. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. There's like the, that body vibration. Same thing oh, on a, weird. same thing on a ship. Like if you yeah. ever go to like on a, uh, obviously not a super rough ship, but like, you know, the, just that rumble that, and I don't, I don't know it's the like answer to that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah something, there's something, something. Um, so there, there's, there's several issues. So one, like I said, deep sleep, lowest stress hormones you're going to have in your life. Um, uh, when you're in fight or flight, you're not digesting. When you're in deep sleep, you're digesting at a maximal rate. So everything's exactly the opposite of fight or flight. Um, however, it turns out that 
too much sort of mechanical activity of the stomach and bowels can interfere with certain people's sleep. Doesn't happen to everybody. Uh, the more common thing is uh, dyspepsia. As you get older, the the you know the sphincter at the bottom of your esophagus gets you know the smooth muscles get relaxed and weaker, and so you get gas and, and it, especially people get a little overweight and they're got some pressure on their stomach while they're sleeping and that heartburn um that's kind of a sensation of almost asphyxiation so that'll increase stress hormones that'll wake you up that'll literally just wake you up from discomfort or it can you know just mildly interfere with your sleep throughout the night um, um but what i what i see a lot of these days i'd say probably um half of my private clients um their insulin sensitivity is so poor that if uh, they eat anything with carbohydrates in it, any closer than like three hours to bed, then their blood glucose fluctuates too much. So earlier I said that no animal on this planet deliberately sleep deprives itself. <clears throat> it's not exactly true. Um, and uh, every animal on this planet will sleep deprive itself under two conditions. One, if it's, if it's being preyed upon, if it's being stalked, it's going to only sleep as much as it has to, obviously. Um, and Or if it's the stalker. Um, and two, uh, every animal on this planet will sleep deprive itself when it's starving. Um, so if you've ever had a really low calorie diet and you can't sleep at all, that's why. Um, so your your brain, it's, it's very rational to think that our brains would, uh, would have evolved for those exact same two conditions, right? And so if you're if you're sleep depriving yourself, your brain probably thinks you're starving. And if you're starving, your brain's gonna keep you away. Um, because what you wanna do is be able to get up earlier and travel farther to forage for food. And so that's the whole idea of not sleeping as much. Um, and so <clears throat> when your blood glucose fluctuates too much and it has nothing to do with your absolute blood glucose. So the interesting thing is your blood glucose would be 400 which is four times what it should be. And if it drops to 300 too quick, your brain's like, we're starving. Let's, let's wake up and get after this and get some food. Um, and so uh, if, if, you have, if you have anything other than like great insulin sensitivity, uh, meaning like you're really lean and you're fit and you work out all the time and you've tested your blood and you have like an A1C of somewhere around five and your insulin, uh, you know, your fasting insulin is down in like two, three, four range or something like that, then you, then you have great insulin sensitivity. Probably doesn't matter. I'd say 80% of Americans, 80% of the Western world probably um, has enough insulin sensitivity issues that if you ate something that had a really high glycemic index, meaning that it raises your blood glucose really fast. Um, ice cream. Like ice cream or, uh, you know, any, anything with sugar in it, anything with, uh, in, uh, anything with uh, re, you know, any refined carbohydrate, um, that's going to cause such a spike in your blood glucose and it's going to have a really fast drop off too. And that fast drop off will wake you up and it'll, it'll interfere with your sleep. And once you, and you know, I didn't cover that really, but you know, like I said, you're, your whole night of sleep is strung together series of these sleep cycles, 90 to 120 minutes, depending on the person and the night, whatever. Um, if you mess up the architecture of one of those, you mess them all up. Like you can't, you can't just go, Oh, my first sleep cycle didn't work great, but my next ones do. No, like as soon as one of them's off, they're all off. Um, and that's why the sleep drugs are so important. That's why the alcohol is so important. Um, so like when I, like I said, alcohol is a toxin. So I tell people, like I don't try to get people not to not to drink at all. I mean, if if, if you're serious enough about it, if you're having enough sleep 
difficulties, you'll probably go that way. But the average person is going to be like, oh, I don't want to never drink, right? So <clears throat> all I say is like, make sure that you drink as far away from your bedtime as possible. And that doesn't mean drink when you wake up in the morning. Uh, it just means <laughs> that, you know, try to give yourself as much of a buffer as you can and then drink as much, yeah, drink at least uh one glass of you know like at least 10 ounces of water for every alcoholic drink you consume because that will dilute the concentration of the toxin in, in, in your bloodstream which will reduce the stress response to it um, i have a, a question uh, a little unrelated to that topic but i've noticed that on nights where i don't have sex with my wife my sleep have sex with uh, well, <laughs> my wife and myself. Oh, okay. <laughs> so the nights you only have sex with yourself, right? Yeah. The nights where there's no orgasm. Okay. Uh, there tends to be. I feel like the sleep uh, can be of a lower quality. Have you, have you guys experienced the same thing? Do you notice that when you do have sex, you have, you have a solid night's sleep, or is that is that a myth? Am I imagining? Sometimes it wakes me up. I mean, you should be awake during sex, first of all. Yeah, yeah. She's <laughs> not. Is there anything to this? Yeah. So um, one one of the hormones that is spiked um, during physical touch, but greatly spiked after orgasm, is oxytocin. Um, oxytocin is actually designed to make you sleepy, because the whole idea of sex, right, is to procreate. And so, if you're messing around after had an orgasm you're going to decrease the risk you're going to decrease the likelihood of implantation right, of, right. fertilization and so it, it seems I mean, we can't prove that but it seems like that would make sense that you wanted so uh it, it's evolved to make it evolved to make us sleepy but somehow i think uh women over the years i don't know whatever they changed it to where it makes them want to talk but um, the oxytocin should make you feel like really you know chilled out and relaxed and you know melting and uh, and and dopamine is is another one because dopamine is sort of like that satiation, like I'm satisfied, right. my, I'm not concerned about life, everything's good, um, and so both of those get spiked after an orgasm, and, and it should improve the quality of your sleep. Well, guys, hey, we we're about getting at that time, so I want to take a uh, a few questions. Um, one was from a firefighter who's just started taking. Uh, Doc Parsley sleep aids. His question oh. is when I'm so on he's a shift, smart firefighter. I'm sorry. He's a smart firefighter. Well, yeah. He's taking it on yeah. his off days. He said, okay. if I take it at 9 PM, go to sleep, knowing that I could be woken up at 2, 2 AM. Am I putting myself at risk performance wise? Absolutely. Drug? No way. So the, <clears throat> that would be true with a sleep drug, right? So <clears throat> we didn't talk about this, but and what Ambien does and what, um, uh, Benzos so like Valium or Xanax or something do, those are what we call GABA analogs. So they work like GABA. They bind GABA receptors. But if a GAB like if a GABA if a GABA molecule binds a GABA receptor and it has an effect of slowing down that neuron, I will say that that's an effect of one. A benzodiazepine, a GABA analog, so it's a molecule that acts like GABA, binds that GABA receptor, has an effect of a hundred. The GABA analog of a Z drug like Ambien or Lunesta, they bind that receptor and have an effect of a thousand. So those completely dissociate your brain. And so if you wake up with your brain that dissociated, like on a sleep drug, you're not you. And that's, and so, yeah, the, produ the, the producers of Ambien and Lunesta were both sued successfully because people were taking these drugs and 
getting in the cars and going to do lizard brain activities. They're like going and gambling. <laughs> they would some, there was one guy who like uh, mortgaged his house in Vegas and gambled away his entire life and woke up the next day and had no memory of even going to Vegas and, uh, and people, you know, picking up prostitutes, people were like going and just binge eating all this lizard brain behavior, like stuff just to, uh, you know, fight, flee, fornicate and, you know, you know, whatever. Um, and so, that would be a problem for the firefighter. Like if you're using a, a drug like that, you wake up, you're not even, I've had, I've had in-depth complex conversations with people for an hour and a half while they were taking Ambien the next day, they don't remember having the conversation. And so you could make well, you're looking at Tyson with complex <laughs> conversations. Like, wow, that's, I never had one of those with him even when he's a little. <laughs> yeah. So um, like I said, there's nothing in my sleep product. That's a trick that's forcing you to go to sleep. It's, all I'm doing is I'm bringing lumber to the construction site. Your construction crew is still your brain. They have to do the work with it. If, if, if your brain's not working right, there's nothing in my product that's going to help you, um, which is, but that's exceedingly rare. That's probably like 1% of people's sleep problems. So he's totally fine with it. There's okay. So another one is, are there overlooked aspects about the environment we sleep in that have negative effects? For example, is there value of sleeping with windows open, allowing fresh air versus HVAC? Uh, air movement only. Um, probably, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, obviously, the closer we get to our, if we host, the closer we get to our ancestral environment, the that's how we evolved. That's what we're supposed to be doing. So the closer you get to that, there's probably, and definitely, there's something like you've heard of the negative ions and and the air. Those have huge effects on your body's energetic systems, um, it, your you know the function of your nervous system, stress hormones, all that stuff. So maybe fresh air would help in that respect. I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I, I feel like if I go to the beach and I have the windows and doors open and the wind, like I, I seem to sleep really well, yes. there's a ton of negative ions in the, around the, around water and the ocean and stuff. So well, we, we know that we know that nature or, or synthesize nature. So put your, put your nature sounds no, on, you yes. put sense in the room that, that deescalates your stress hormones. Yeah. So that could help as long as you're not living in the city, right. And here, right. here in cars, right. But you've got birds and squirrels and wind. Yeah, in fact, um, it, to go along with the, the vibration idea, it's like predictable sounds actually in, enhance sleep to things like nature, which is like you can't necessarily predict exactly when the bird's going to chirp and whatever, but like that kind of rhythmic sounds, ocean sounds, wind sounds, rain sounds, those predictable sounds actually enhance sleep. Unpredictable sounds wake people up. So when you yeah. live in a city and your neighbor's you know, blowing their horn or slamming their doors or, you know, whatever trash trucks coming by, uh, sirens, gunshots, whatever that type of stuff, uh, interferes with sleep. What else we got? Last question. And then we'll close it out around the, uh, the room. Give me one second here. If you play with Bane, Bane will bite. <laughs> I don't care. Um, you see how the world's going. I'm ready to go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm not fighting for survival anymore. Again, did you guys, I had to step out here. Did you guys talk about mouth breathing versus nose breathing? We did not talk about mouth. So I know that's the big thing, the hostage shape right now to get people to breathe out of their nose instead of uh, yeah. out of their mouth. Uh, so the thinking behind that, um, which seems to be supported anecdotally and, and somewhat with limited limited research um is that if if you close your mouth and you breathe through your nose that stimulates uh, the nasal and oral what we call mucosa that tissue in the back of your neck which in the back of your throat just kind of 
lining of your neck, which can stimulate the vagus nerve. Vagus nerve is parasympathetic. That's like the opposite of stress, of the stress response. So sympathetic is stress enhancing, like that speeds everything up. Parasympathetic slows everything down. Um, so if you stimulate the vagus nerve, you decrease stress hormones, you decrease nervous system activity, and it should help with sleep and it should help with the quality of your sleep, especially if stress is one of your problems with sleeping, which it is with almost everybody. But also your nose filters that air you breathe in, your mouth does not. So chance of getting sick increases when you sleep with your mouth open. Yeah. And if you see your kids sleeping with their mouth open, walk over there and close their mouth because you can form that habit. While and, and, and mouth breathing dries out your oral mucosa and can cause fissures that allow bacteria from your mouth to get into your bloodstream and so forth like that. I'll try that on my wife next time. Yeah. <laughs> you will accuse me of trying to murder her. <laughs> no, I'm trying to help you sleep, baby. Okay. Well, dude, that, I mean, I think the bottom line is, you know, proper sleep hygiene, protect your sleep, safeguard your sleep. It, it's the key really, to performance, health. And it's not, and it's not that complex. I mean, you know, there are over eight, uh, there are over eighty sleep disorders. Um, they're all exceedingly rare. Um, Ninety-nine percent of the population, if they valued sleep enough, would be able to get really, really quality sleep if you make it a priority. And I can tell you, you know, as a you know, being a private consultant for over 15 years and all my times in the teams, I've been working on people's performance, well-being, where it's cognitive, emotional, physical, endurance, strength, whatever. It doesn't matter. Nothing enhances your performance better than sleeping well, and nothing will break you faster than not sleeping enough. Like that, that is the sure path to destruction. How long can you go without food? Long time. How long can you go without exercise? Your whole damn life. How long can you go without meditating? Your whole damn life. How long can you go without sleep? 10 days, nine days and you die, something like that. So interesting on that note. And I know we didn't talk about Drake's passage, but triple seven, we've got whoop and yourself are putting down an article yep. on the impacts of international travel during the triple seven and how it impacted our sleep, which sleeping on sleeping in airplane seats and coach. Yeah. And switching time zones. Yeah. One standing is starting in Antarctica where it, you'd walk out of your tent at 3 a.m. in the morning. It looked like it was 12 noon. Yeah. It just threw everyone off. And then from there, six days right into international travel to all six remaining continents, guys were just, nobody could sleep. When we, and you you know, we got them like a six hour sleep period in a hotel and everyone was like jazzed. And then you talk to everyone, they're like, yeah, bro, I didn't, I didn't sleep at all. Yeah. It was insane. And you guys going on a cycle for 10 to 12 days straight is going to be. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah it's going to be interesting. Uh, it's, that's a good challenge, man. I'm excited to see what we can do with that. Yeah. Well, thoughts, lessons learned, starting with uh, Sean. We'll end with uh, with John. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm, I like experimenting and trying to see what happens. So I, I'm constantly changing my diet, trying to sleep, you know, different amounts, um, seeing what food, um, exercise in the morning versus evening, all those things affect my sleep. So this has been interesting. Um, but you know, for you guys, all Navy guys, it just seems like there was like a, a big push, you know, with Jocko and like, you know, so when is, is that changing or is the Navy smartening up? It changed a lot while I was there. Um, I actually, um, the CEO of trade at the time, um, so Jocko was there originally, but then he, uh, he left maybe a year into my time as a doctor there and uh, Joe Burns took over and they, I, I was, I was going out to uh Nyland and they were shifting the lights, you know, darkening out the barrack rooms, making it really cold, put all red lights in the galley. So if people were supposed to be asleep, they got rid of that. And they're, you know, trying to schedule in midday breaks to guys and in, in their training cycle during the day, you know, to give them an opportunity to recover and things like that. So 
but it like anything it's you know commander's discretion so as the leadership yeah. changes some guys value it some guys don't like you know some admiral comes in and says all i need is bullets and another admiral comes in and said you know i need no family incidents and you know like whatever so it's depending upon their and let me let me caveat that sean uh, you know i think you've got to be very careful about the message you put out into the public about like you know grind all the time 110 percent, you know always in all the time no um and and love jocko he's a brother served with jocko um keep in mind you know his experiences he had two combat deployments a lot of that is due to where he was in his career where some of the guys i know with 15 deployments that they're just they're like they're ruined for life um so while that may work physiologically for jocko guys that have suffered a lot more impact from the war or trauma have a much tougher time uh getting on a, on some semblance of a sleep schedule and recovery so well the other thing yeah. is, is jocko's pretty disciplined with his sleep he just yes he just gets yes. up early but he goes to sleep pretty early too so he's sleeping like six and a half yeah. hours a night which is a little less than he should maybe half an hour but you know that's not that's not destroying you like you know the the guys who are strung out on ambient and alcohol were technically probably getting two hours worth of sleep every night yeah in in, in another point it's like you know that jocko's discipline off off the charts yeah but then again add brain trauma into that which yeah. you probably have brain trauma i mean there's yeah. my your sleep apnea my sleep apnea are not caused from uh from obesity that is caused by by brain trauma and and you know your brain pretty much shutting off and not breathing is is brain trauma so there, there's it's different strokes for different folks yeah, yeah. and i would just be careful like don't try to replicate somebody else's sleep schedule because it works for them find what works for you and of course i listen to everyone and i take the breadcrumbs mm -hmm. from their success but uh, I've got to find out what works for me in my schedule. I, I think the whole, I think something that gets missed all the time with all of these influencers is um, they're all describing a way that works for them. Like discipline in your life is meant to drive you towards the behaviors and actions and thoughts that will optimize your life. It's not the same for me as it is for Jocko or for, or for you, you or yeah. for anybody else. It's like, like what, what's optimal for me is what I need to create discipline around, but I don't, Discipline doesn't mean I do exactly what somebody else does, right? It, it, I, you know, it goes to a message. Be careful about putting people on pedestals. Yeah, yeah. Um, I look at it as, again, people leave breadcrumbs that have led to their success. And you pick them up. You see if they work for you. Keep some. Discard the others. But um, I, I'm, I've always, always tell people, do not put people on pedestals. Learn from what works for them. And, and, again, create your own system, your own style. Yeah, I've struggled with sleep and the last couple of years I've really been trying to figure out figure it out and not drinking during the week's been huge. Yeah. Like that's been my number one thing. Right. Not alone. Like I love having my whiskey and I love having a glass of wine. Even one, I just have horrible sleep. But I had that whoop. I tracked and I had to get rid of it because it just shows up and die every time. Like in the red. Yeah. So yeah, alcohol. That was it. Cut and, that one out and yeah. get off my phone. And then you and start every, losing weight as well. And yeah. yeah. Every everybody processes alcohol differently but there's a subset of the population about 20 percent of people um they just get huge adrenaline spikes from alcohol i'm one of those people so like i have a drink i get in bed my heart rate's 98 i'm like what the hell am i having a heart attack or something <laughs> like how's it 98 i'm like laying here falling asleep uh and then if i you know if i don't drink it's 60 like that's a that's a huge difference but not everybody's that way some people drink a hog and not it 
it screws up the quality of everybody's sleep. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but it not, not everybody suffers equally from all the stuff, you know, like, um, and that's true of sleep too. There are, you know, there are genetic differences in people to where some people suffer a lot from missing an hour of sleep. And some people suffer a little bit from not sleeping two hours less than they need. You know? Well, it seems like alcohol sedates you too. So people might be under the, the, the mindset that it's helping them sleep, but you know, they might fall asleep, but then sleep horrible. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the problem, one, you know, one of the big problems with, with, with my sort of niche is that if you sleep great, you don't remember it, right? You don't, you shouldn't have any real objective experience of your sleep. You should wake up in the morning and go, I guess I slept great. Cause I don't remember anything. Like I, I fell asleep and I just, and all of a sudden the alarm went off or, you know, I woke up and the sun was up, uh, you know, that's ideal. So, um, it, you know, it, it, when, when people, uh, you know, it's true with marijuana when, when they're first starting to legalize marijuana, there's all this hype about how THC helps you sleep. Um, it doesn't, it makes you, it gives you subjective experience of like, I slept great, but you do a sleep study on them. They don't, they don't sleep great. Uh, and then the other thing is THC is it, I think it goes up tenfold every 30 days or something like your need for it. So like if you ordinarily, if you first need five milligrams a month later, you'll need 50 milligrams and a month later, like, you know, it goes off the chart. So, yeah. So I think uh, from my end, you know, since I was 19 and joined, joined the military, I've surrounded myself with high performers. And so I've tried everything you can imagine to try to keep up, to try to perform at a high level. And without a doubt, the single biggest factor that I've found is, is sleep. And when I landed on a good sleep, a, a good sleep protocol and started having healthy sleep, my performance across the board, intellectually, emotionally, and physically improved dramatically. And so now it is the number one priority for me in my performance cycle. Yeah, not, you know, nothing, definitely nothing matters more. I mean, the, the you, only time you get better at anything is while you're sleeping. So you learn anything, you practice anything until you go to sleep and that gets consolidated in your brain and your body adapts to that movement or thought or process or technique, whatever. The only time that happens is when you're sleeping. So, John. What do I think about sleep? Can you hear me? Use sign language, and please. Hello, can you hear me? Can't hear you. Yeah, he's out. Okay. That's a shame. Thanks for showing up, John. <laughs> That's about the, uh, the his contribution, the extent of his contribution to every podcast. Um, man, a few words. Hey, Can't seriously, work. this was an accident, John. We did not mean to turn your mic off. <laughs> he's a man of few words, folks. No, kidding, kidding. We'll get him on next the time. Um, I think for me, the struggle right now is, and you guys know I'm on the road nonstop. So, I mean, yeah. I, I'm in different environments, different beds. I'd love, you know, I've got the Tempur-Pedic at home. I've got these pillows that are now yellow because I've had them so long. Uh, I've got to wash them. And the fact that uh, I'm in East Coast, last week I was Connecticut, woke up at 3.30 to get to JFK, and all of a sudden I'm in California, and I'm, I'm just off. So I'm I'm done by Friday, and um, I'm, I'm trying to, to, to work that piece to get to some sort of consistency or sustainability, and I'm, I'm not there yet. <laughs> The best thing you can do is get as much sleep as fast as as early as you can. So after your chaotic sleep, the sooner you can go to sleep and sleep until you don't need any more sleep, the faster you'll recover from whatever damage is happening while you're sleeping. Yeah, I think the biggest impediment to my sleep right now is uh, my wife, but that's a whole separate <clears throat> issue. We can have a, a separate podcast on. We, we didn't talk about uh, something called a sleep divorce. It sounds worse than it is. It's basically separate beds. And I read a study recently that said sleep for both 
the wife and the husband improves dramatically when you sleep in separate beds, as does libido mm. for both increases dramatically. Interesting. Well, Have you ever seen the meme where it's like 80% of the bed is hers? And then like, if it was like 10% for the dog and then I have 10, literally could not be more accurate. Yeah. <laughs> especially when she like scratches my legs with her, her toenails. Just the, yeah. Uh, yeah. The libido, libido is hugely linked to sleep though. So if yep. you just get better sleep, you're going to increase your sex drive. That's right. But you know, I, I tell people that all the time. People are like, Hey, what's the best mattress? Well, like, like, okay, well, I weigh 250 pounds, you know, my spouse weighs 120 pounds. Are we going to be comfortable on the same mattress, right? But And that's why you're starting to see mattress companies that are designing beds and like a lot softer on this side, a lot harder on that side, whatever. Um, because, you know, we will move around if there's too much pressure in the bed. But if we sink down too much, it causes joint pain and we'll move to avoid the pain. Or if it gets too hot, like a Tempur-Pedics are known for like going around people and, and you'll move to find a cool spot. And every time you move, if you're in a RAM, you're paralyzed, right? So you have to unparalyze yourself to move. So you come out of REM sleep. So you're, and then deep sleep, you're pretty close to being paralyzed. So you you affect your sleep architecture every time you have to move. So if your bed's too hard, if it's too soft, if it's too warm, you'll move around a lot in the night. And so uh, sleeping in two different beds gives you the option of having <laughs> like exactly your bed. You don't have somebody moving around. You have somebody touching you, um, whatever. And so um, and that's an individual decision. But yeah, the the... The research is clear on it that it does help. So, you know, the way I want to end this, um, one, you know, the reason we pulled this team together is because we hit all those pillars. I mean, one, I, you guys are very spiritual. I know that the the mental piece, the physical piece, you know, and we were talking about this earlier with regards to some executives that are suffering burnout. They want to address the mental, spiritual, mm -hmm. uh, and emotional piece, but the foundation is always physical. So again, you've got John Wellborn with Power Athlete HQ. Go look up the website and one, always focus on building that, that physical uh, prowess because that is the, the building block in my position, uh, opinion, the foundational block to building everything else in good sleep is being in great physical shape. Additionally, these guys with archetype uh, boxing, have you had anyone come in from the, uh, the podcast yet? He came by and checked it out. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, hey. it's, it's the most awesome boxing gym I've ever seen. So again, it, it, whether you're here for a uh, bachelor bachelorette party, because I know Austin is like the bachelor bachelorette yeah. capital next to Nashville. Uh, if you're in the Austin area, go check these guys out. They cannot be more welcoming. And that's what makes the environment great. Unlike other boxing gyms, where it's just like you step in, you get the automatic arrogance. And yeah. that's why I love you guys. So archetype boxing uh, in middle Austin, um, guys, go check it out. Uh, what time are we drinking tomorrow and where? Um, 2 p.m. I'm not drinking now because I'm this sleep <laughs> conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as early in the day as possible. Three o'clock <laughs> where? Uh, to be determined. To be determined. You like chilies? Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you take them to West Six? We'll give them a little uh, Chardonnay. Something yeah, like salad. Let's say yeah. let's do West some, Six. Some oysters. You want to do uh, out what's uh, the rustic <laughs> tap? Mind, son. Let's do that. No, Three p.m. Yeah. rustic tap. If you're around, join us. And then lastly, check out Doc Parsley Sleep Aids. What's the uh, the domain? Uh, DocParsley.com Doc or SleepRemedy.com, whichever, whatever you want. Add it to your sleep hygiene. Try it. It's great. I've never heard anyone say it didn't work for them. I know sometimes I feel like I have to taper off mm -hmm. just because I don't want to take it every day. If I know I don't need it, then I, I don't take it. But it's been uh, highly effective. Yeah, I mean, there's no problem with taking it every day, though. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, it's it's just nutritional supplements. So if you don't need it, you just 
wait, you know, just goes out in your urine. Get so. them all online. Yeah, yeah, you can buy it. You can buy it online. Uh, so, yeah, it, and that's on there. And then there, uh, like I, I have a worksheet for helping people get rid of stress and their sleep and all that. That's on my website as well. My book can be there. There's an ebook. There's there's lots of blogs and videos and information on that for uh, on docparsley.com. And Perfect. but sleep remedy is on that page as well. And guys, please go leave a review for the podcast, the Men's Journal Everyday Warrior podcast. Uh, you know, again, go check out the book, The Everyday Warrior. And lastly, I want to end with this. Uh, you guys remember the Louisville mass shooting in the bank a few weeks ago? Well, I've been keeping in contact with the Louisville uh, Metro uh, PD, namely one uh, senior leader there uh, on Officer Wilt. If you guys haven't heard this story, you know, we see a lot of division within America. If it leads or if it bleeds, it leads, usually meaning negative news. That's all we get. Well, here's a positive story. Officer Wilt was basically one week out of the academy, and he was one of the first to respond. He was unfortunately shot in the head. Oh, wow. And he's been on respirators, was in a coma. He opened his eyes yesterday. They're trying to take him off devices. He turned to, towards his brother and smiled, yeah. who was in the academy when this happened, I think still in the academy. Mm -hmm. So uh, our prayers out to Officer Wilt and their family. Uh, just keep fighting. Couldn't be more of a, a warrior-based story. And I'm uh, glad because, you know, it wasn't always good news coming out for the last few weeks, but that was very positive. Again, uh, prayers to him and his family in the entire Louisville Police Department. And that's it. Thanks for joining the Everyday Warrior Live Power Hour. And we'll be back next Friday. Thanks, y'all.